last week. It's going to take me a moment to get there, but I will get there. But I'm giving you time to turn there. Exodus chapter 13. The message is the importance of two, which was the title last week as well. And we're looking at this in light of the blood of Jesus Christ and the covenant that God has made with us through him. And how we see it in the Old Testament and how we're going to see it in the in our lives now. And. Uh, I have to honestly say I was so excited about last week's message because I knew this week was coming. I'm more excited about this one because if we can put this into practice, if we can believe God for this, it, it's going to be amazing what he does in us and through us and for us. So, but the importance of two. Life and death are part of this world that we live in and there's no way we can escape it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how educated you are, how uneducated you are. You are going to experience life and death. It doesn't matter. But the awesome thing is, is every day we get to choose blessings through obedience. Okay? And when I say blessings through obedience, that doesn't mean perfection. That doesn't mean that you do everything right. Doesn't mean that you've arrived because we won't until we get to heaven. Or we choose the curse of sinfulness. But regardless of which one we choose, it's our choice. Nobody can make it for us. We choose. Okay. And we saw where God cut the covenant with Abraham and how Abraham had to provide and then cut the three animals in half in two, mirroring each side. And he laid them out and then separated them because God was going to walk through it. And this was God's way of cutting the covenant with Abraham because there was nobody greater for him to swear by. So we read in Hebrews that he swore by himself to make this covenant with Abraham. And this covenant with Abraham was to that he was making with him and, and he was going to bless all the nations through him and that there was going to be a land that he was going to receive, the promised land. And this was God's way of saying, this is how it's going to happen. We'll see that in just a minute. But we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 27 last week, verses 11 through 13. And this is before they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan to go into the promised land. And uh, Moses has them or God through Moses tells them, look, you're going to be able to either choose life or choose death by the mountains that are going to be before them. And the first mountain was Mount Gerizim. And he said this was to bless the people. Okay. He wanted them to choose that mountain to bless the people or they could choose Mount Ebal. And that would be the choice that they would choose for a curse. So they were going to, when they crossed over, they were going to have a choice to make. Are they going to live at uh, Mount Gerizim or Mount Ebal? Okay. And you say, well, how does that make sense? Well, if you were back then and you looked at those mountains, the Mount Gerizim was lush and fertile and Mount Ebal was rocky and barren. And so that's what, that's the picture he was painting before them. 
And he's, he's like, look, choose which one you're going to follow, but you can only choose one mountain. You can't be on both mountains at the same time. Whew. And we looked at two in the scripture last week, um, but I just want to remind you of the two thieves that were on either side of Jesus and when he was crucified, and they, were, they had choices as well. One ridiculed Jesus and, and put him down and, and mocked him. And the other one said, look, you don't even get it. And he was with him in paradise that day. Woo. And so faith, salvation isn't based on your works. It's based on faith in Jesus Christ. And somebody say, well, do you believe in deathbed salvations? Well, if you believe in a cross uh, hanging salvation, then you can believe in a deathbed salvation. Amen? Because it's not based on our works. It's based on who God is and our faith in him. As a believer in Jesus, God has called us. And I, I want you to get this. He has called us. He has anointed us. And he is longing for us to uphold the blessing of the covenant by choosing it as our lifestyle, our way of life every day. I mean, God has called us to this. He is longing for this in our lives. I am, I am so convinced that scripture portrays God longs and desires more than we do for us to live according to his ways because he so longs to bless us. And, and I think that was part of our theme this morning in worship. I don't know that we can understand how much God wants to bless us, how much God wants to be in our lives, how much he wants us to walk in his ways so that we can be blessed by him. I mean, look, your blessings don't even compare to what he has for blessings for our lives. So it pays to give ourselves to him, to walk in the obedience so that we can be blessed by him. He longs to do that and he's anticipating, he's waiting. I, and I believe that there's, he has a greater hunger than we do to walk in his ways. And if you don't believe that, think about this for a moment. God's the one who initiated Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that he was slain before the foundations of the world. Which means before the worlds were created, before you and I came into existence, before anything happened, God was so determined to make us in his likeness and image and to have relationship with us, fellowship with us, that he, in his heart and in his mind, Jesus was already slain. So that's the desire that God has for us to be able to be in right relationship with Him and walk with Him. We also see this as God led the Israelites through the wilderness and the sign of the covenant never left them. It was before them continually and, and we're going to kind of come in the back way on this. But we'll see it. The Israelites, as they were coming out of Egypt, they were to continually live in the blessings of their covenant relationship with God and avoid the negative results of ignoring the covenant or worse yet, rebelling against the covenant of God. 24-7, they were continually in the presence of a cloud by day and a fire by night. Mm. 
And even so, we know that many of them grew discontent. Uh, which is exactly what the enemy did in the Garden of Eden, isn't it? He got them to be discontent with God's plans for their lives. He got them to doubt whether God was really, really good to them, whether God really did love them, or was He withholding things. And so, just as they became discontent, we can become discontent as well. And the sad thing is, is, you know, the enemy used that at the beginning and he's still using it today because we still become discontent with God. And look, I'm not here saying that I understand all of his ways. I don't. Which is okay because he's smarter, wiser than I am. But my responsibility is not to figure everything out. My responsibility is to trust God and to walk with him even when things don't make sense. The enemy, when he sows that discontent, is trying to get us to turn away from the covenant that God has with us. And we're going to see here in just a minute that as they're coming out of Egypt and they go into the wilderness and they're faced with the Red Sea before them and the army chasing them, that they are gripped with fear and, and they were perceiving that God was leading them through the wilderness, and they perceived that, that God leading them in the wilderness as abandonment, that God didn't love them. And that's the furthest from the truth. And we're going to see that in just a second. And so I just want to encourage you right now, never give up on what God is doing in your life. Especially when it seems we are going the wrong way because of His leading. Okay, now we can go the wrong way because of our choices. Because we're refusing to walk with Him and we can be in rebellion of Him. And we can encounter some stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we're walking with Him. When we're obeying Him. When we're following His Word. And we still encounter a wilderness time. Do not give up. Do not give up. God still is working in that. And it's going to be for your benefit. But it's going to be for His glory. If we will stay the course. If. We will continue in faith, trusting in Him. And like the Israelites, we can grow weary when we feel like God has left us in the wilderness. Like He has forgotten us. Because sometimes our wilderness is a long time. But I want to encourage you, He hasn't forgotten us. The scripture says he will never forgive or forget us. He will never leave us or forsake us. It's easy to believe that when things are going good. But can you believe that when you're in the wilderness? Can you declare when you're going through a wilderness experience that, God, I know that you've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You're always with me. No matter what, we must always choose to live and remind God of His faithfulness and the faithful blessings He has provided and promised to us in His covenant that He's made with us. That brings us to Exodus chapter 13. And don't leave Exodus chapter 13. I'm going to give you 
two more scriptures out of Genesis, but we're coming back to Exodus. So just stay in Exodus. You'll see the other ones up. Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Okay, let's just pause there for a moment. Who was leading them? God. Did He lead them the quick way or the hard way? He, he, he led them the long way. Okay, wasn't hard yet, but it was the long way. Okay, he could have gone a different way and to get to the promised land would have taken him two, three days. But instead, he doesn't do that and he lets them wander. And in this wandering, it's, it took them at least 11 days before they could have entered in. Okay? But we have to understand, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. So sometimes in our lives, when we think there's a quicker way, a straighter line for God to take us through, sometimes He takes us through a whole bunch of curves. He takes us up through the mountain. He brings us down through the valley. Then He takes us through some more curves. I mean, it's like, you have to trust that He's leading us. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. And let me just encourage you with this right now, what he's saying about that. What that means is they hadn't fought before. This generation, they were, they were slaves in Egypt. They did not know how to fight. And so he didn't want them to have to face Pharaoh's army on their own. What he's saying here is, I'm going to deal with them for them. I'm going to let them see me and they will begin to trust in me even more. Verse 18. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. <coughs> Excuse me, verse 21. And the Lord went before them. Here it is by day in a pillar of cloud and led them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night did not depart from before the people. And you say, well, what's the big deal about pillars? A pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. It's amazing how God is. The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire were signs of the covenant that God made with Abraham. 
And these two pillars allowed the Israelites to travel by day and by night. But they were more than just signs of God's faithfulness. They were protection for the people of Israel. The Israelites did not have to fear because they were under the protection of the covenant. And they should have known all of this and seen the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire as a prophetic reminder and symbol of the covenant that God made with their forefather Abraham. And it's a beautiful picture of the two halves of the bulls that were cut in two by Abraham and the smoking furnace and the burning lamp carried by God himself establishing his covenant as he walked through. So that brings us to Genesis 15. And you can turn there if you want, but we're going to go back to Exodus 14 in just a second. But Exodus 15 says this. Now we read part of this last week. We didn't read verse 7, but we're going to read it this morning. And this is where God has promised to Abraham this land. And so Genesis 15, 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, and so this is Abraham speaking to God. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, so now this is God responding. Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. So let's just pause here for a moment too. I just want to encourage you, when you're doing the things of God, the enemy is going to come in and he's going to try and stop you. He's going to try and come in and hinder you. That's what these birds of prey were doing. Abraham had slaughtered them, cut them in half, and he's laying them out. Well, he's got three to deal with. And so the birds of prey are coming there and they're picking on the, the uh, sacrifice, the offering, just like he does in our life. But it says that Abram shoot them away. And so I'm telling you, even though you're walking with God, you have to be atten pay attention. You have to be on your guard. All right, here it is, verse 17 now. Jump down there, Genesis 15, 17. And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, the smoking fire pot. Everybody say smoking fire pot. And a flaming torch. If I say a flaming torch. So we have the smoke, the cloud, and we have the fire. Amen? Notice what it says. Pass between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he goes on and talking about it. But Turn with me to Exodus chapter 14 now. Exodus chapter 14. So these are two pillars of the Lord, of God Almighty, as He walked between the two cut pieces to confirm His covenant with Abraham. And these two pillars are what went before them as they left Egypt and traveled by way of the wilderness. And God, through these pillars, 
protected them, provided for them, and he was the one who went before them, and he was the one who was their rear guard as well. Isn't that awesome? He's got us covered. You have nobody better to have your back than God. And he's proven that he's got our back. We should know this for our lives as well. That since we belong to him, his desire is to lead us and guide us. And even at times he leads us into the wilderness by his choice, not ours from our sinful choices. He does this for our good and for his glory. And so I want to encourage you that as long as we are obeying the Lord as best we can, seeking after his ways, not turning from his ways, but seeking after them, then we will have the leading and protection of the Lord, even though we are temporarily in the wilderness. Everybody say temporary. Now, look, I know some wildernesses seem like forever. But even if it's forever, you only have a short time on this earth compared to eternity. When God leads us into the wilderness, it's for our protection. But it is also for His glory to be revealed. His glory to be displayed to our enemy and to ourselves so that we can know that no matter what, we can trust God. So in Exodus chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 1. And it says this, Exodus 14, 1. Now this is after 13, and we already read chapter 13, the last verses of that, how God was leading them out, right? Okay, here we go. Exodus 14, 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of this place between Migdal and the sea. In front of this place, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And so this is what I want you to see. As he's telling them this, as he's leading them, and he's leading them through the wilderness, he's leading them to the Red Sea so that their, their back is against the Red Sea and the Egyptians are going to come chasing after them and there's no way, there's no place for them to escape. And so when Pharaoh sees this, he's going to say in his mind, Moses is an idiot. He doesn't know how to lead these people. And they're just wandering in the wilderness. So let's go out there and let's get them and let's bring them back here because we want them as slaves. And so I want to encourage you. When God leads you into the wilderness and everybody thinks that you have lost your mind and that you are crazy and confused, you just smile at Him. 
Because don't say anything because you don't know if you are crazy and you don't know if you're confused. But one thing you do know, you're following him. And if you'll keep your mouth closed and you're trusting in him in the end, they'll see. You were crazy. But you weren't confused. And the only reason I say you were crazy is because you were crazy enough to trust God and keep your mouth closed and not defend yourself. Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. I love that part. There was a boldness in them. I mean, they got one step out of Egypt and they're like, Woof, God, this is good. Things changed, but at least they started out praying. Verse 9, the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camped at the sea by these places in front of this place. Which means that they didn't overtake them, but they were there and they had them. There was... In Pharaoh's mind, there was no way that they were escaping. He had them. He's he's thinking that night, I'm bringing them back to Egypt. He's thinking he made a mistake, but now he's like, we're going to correct this mistake. Verse 10. When Pharaoh drew new, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. Okay, they were coming out defiantly. They were coming out boldly, shouting, thanking God. And now all of a sudden they look back and they see the Egyptians. They look the other way and all they see is the Red Sea and they're like, we're doomed. And so great fear came upon them. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken taken us away to die in the wilderness? (laughs) Woo, isn't that awesome? But we think that too, don't we? God, you've brought me out here. I'm going to die. And he says, Yes, you are. Not physically, but you're going to die to yourself. You're going to die to your ways and you're going to see that I am God and I can take care of you. (sighs) What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, which is what they said when all the plagues were going on and stuff like that. and, And the... Uh, Egyptians made it more difficult for them to serve them. I mean, they, they were just complaining. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. 
How many times have we thought something like that? Lord, just take me. Lord, I don't know how much more I can take of this. Lord, this is too much for me. You know, it's amazing to me that there's people that say, well, God won't give you more than you can bear. Yes, He will. Whoever tells you that, just if you don't want to correct them, just smile at them and know that they're lying to you. Okay? God gives you more than you can handle because He wants to be your sufficiency. He wants to be your glory. And they're at this place where it's more than they can handle. And they just want to die. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm. Maybe you need to look in the mirror tomorrow morning or even tonight and say, Fear not, stand firm and point that finger at yourself. Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try and reason it out. Don't try and tell somebody what is going on when you don't even know what is going on. Just stay silent and keep trusting God. Ah. Oh. It's better, verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. How are you going to go forward when there's a Red Sea before you? Verse 16. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I mean, this is a supernatural work that God is getting ready to do. He's going to part it so that they can walk over. And so it's not going to be muddy. It's going to be dry ground that they're going to walk on. It's going to take them all night to do it. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 19, then the angel of God who was going before them, the host of Israel moved and went behind them. Do you know who the angel of the Lord is? That's Jesus. And he was right there with them in front of them. And he says that he left and he went to the back of them. Let me read verse 19. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Because guess what? Coming, verse 20, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And so now the pillar of cloud left the front, comes and stands at the, behind them. And when he does that, he's between the Israelites and the Egyptian army. 
Let's keep reading. You'll see it. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. In other words, they started off in the daytime. The angel of God, the cloud of glory, comes and stands at the end of the standing between them and the Egyptian army. And then at night, when darkness comes, then the cloud turns into the pillar of fire. And look, you don't have to be a rocket scientist if you're an Egyptian to know you don't want to go in that fire. I mean, they were smart enough not to go in the cloud, but when the fire showed up, you know they're not coming. And so that, that nothing happened. And so they don't even know what is happening, and the Israelites start crossing the sea. Well, let's read. Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Everybody say dry ground. The waters being a wall for them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them. This is after they've crossed. They're all the way over. And then the pillar either leaves them or goes over and they can see. And so, let's pick up. Oh. Verse 23. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. Can I tell you something? It wasn't dry ground anymore. The Egyptians are in there. They got their chariots. They're, they're marching on. They're, they're ready for war. They're ready to capture the Israelites. And all of a sudden, they can't move because they're in there. And it didn't happen all at once because they had to, God had to get them all in there. Verse 25, clogging their chariots' wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Woo! Can I tell you something? It pays to have God fight your battle. But you know, if, if you're going to talk about it, and you're going to complain about it, and you're going to bellyache about it, and you're going to you know, do all the stuff that we do, He's not fighting our battle. We are. It's when we stay silent, when we keep trusting Him. You know, when you get into your pity party, woe is me, you know. You don't know the wilderness that I'm through. Yeah, everybody has a wilderness they're going to go through. Because God wants to be real to every one of us. But there's a wilderness dedicated for each one of us. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, 
the Lord through the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. Verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. God so desires to bless us. But we have to walk with Him. We have to walk in His ways. Don't turn. I know we're going to be tempted to turn, especially when the wilderness seems so barren, so hot, so dry, so miserable for us. Do not give up. Do not give up. It's for your protection that you're in the wilderness but it's for God's glory that you're going to see and all of your enemies are going to see that God was with you and you were with God. And I want to tell you, if He did it for them, He will certainly do it for us. And it gets better next week. If you can believe it. Stand with me. Sorry to keep you longer than what I anticipated, especially with you losing your hour of sleep, but you can't cut this one. You can't do this in two parts, so I want you to know you can trust God no matter what. You can trust Him. He knows how to lead us. And sometimes we look at it and we say, God, I'm just simply trying to follow after you and all of this is happening. Everything's coming against me. Feels like all hell is broken loose again. It's okay. Just relax. Breathe. Keep trusting. Amen. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. I thank you for your example of the Exodus. What a mighty performance of your glory. And Father, your word says, we read it today, that it was so that the Egyptians would know that you are God. So that the Israelites would know that you are God. And Father, I thank you that we're all going to face those wilderness experiences. But Lord, if we will stay silent, if we will keep trusting in you, if we won't have our pity parties, but we'll stay silent and trust you and, and know that you got a glory getting ready to be revealed. And it's for our salvation. Father, grace us. Teach us to stay true to your ways and your word. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.